1: Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refunds. Subscription auto renews.
0: This is the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hockey is more than a game. It's a lifestyle. It's you, the die-hard, supportive fans, your favorite players who are on the team you cheer for and the organization who
2: supports them. The companies that make your gear, bags, and beer league sweaters, the Hockey Moms, and hockey dads, and everything else that makes this house of hockey your home. Come on in. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. And, and this, this is, is our house. house. So, you've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam packed with action ranging from basketball to golf. And DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front row seat of all of the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every game and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid over $7 billion to users across all sports. And DraftKings is the leader in daily sports fantasy So there's no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using the code THPN. That stands for the Hockey Podcast Network. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings, a minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility eligibility restrictions apply and see DraftKings.com details and make sure to stay tuned for later in this episode and we talk about how i love playing fantasy hockey and the luck that i get and how you crush it and win all the time (laughs) sometimes most of the time (laughs) what's up guys you are listening to the house of hockey podcast i am your host breezy and i'm your other
0: host ray ray and it's episode fifty five oh which is
2: (laughs) we know what that was
0: (laughs) which is super fitting that this is our 50th episode because we're recording this on saturday um before uh the episode drops on tuesday and on this day in history Sidney crosby is playing his one thousandth hockey game and I feel like it's only fitting that our fates are tied, Sydney's and ours, because as you all know, if you listen to the show, uh, our final three questions, we always ask our guests if they have a Sidney Crosby story. And now we have another Sidney Crosby story that our 50th episode was recorded the same day he played his 1000th game.
2: And speaking of Sidney Crosby, this was not set up at all, by the way. <laughs> I kind of have an unpopular opinion having to do with Sidney Crosby. Oh, dude, go go for it. Because all over the internet, you just see like all these things on like, should Sidney Crosby be traded and whatnot. And I read a comment this morning, like right before we went on, we started recording this. And some girl said exactly the way I feel. I would rather lose to Sidney Crosby on the penguins than to see him and another person, like another team sweater. Like, how do you feel? Would, would it be weird to see him on another team? Yes. I think Sydney should forever be
0: a penguin. I don't think he should ever leave i think i don't even think he will uh he's not going to pull like a henrik lundquist or right. a azadana chara and like go somewhere else i i really do think that he will stay forever Absolutely. a penguin especially with his relationship with lemieux and like just you know him being you know running the team and and sydney being such a big part of it. i mean like sydney has a 12 year contract with the penguins, that doesn't come up until twenty four, twenty five. Like, when is that? What are those days? What is that year I just said? Twenty twenty four? Like, you know, um, I don't even know if we're gonna make it that far. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, I agree with you. I think he will forever stay a penguin, and I would rather lose to him as a penguin, and I respect that. Of him, yeah. I also respect guys who who need to leave and 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 try something else and and want to continue to play. Uh, right. But I just think from all the stories we've heard about Sydney's character, this makes the most sense for him would be to stay. And I love that people just like try to make up stories on the internet of yeah. like, oh, he's gonna be traded. Do you think he'd ever leave? Like, and you know what? Who cares if he does? So what if he does? He can do whatever yeah. he wants. He's Sidney fucking Crosby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, he's playing a thousand games today. A, th-
2: a thousand games. That's a lot. That's a lot of games. Well, our guest this week oh, yeah, we also even has a story on Sid and how great he is. And although we are not a Sidney Crosby podcast, <laughs> uh, we just happen to talk about him a lot Uh, And this guy, uh, our guest that we have on is Brandon, or sorry, we got to rewind that, we got to take that out, is Brendan Batchelor, who is the play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, He joined us, he obviously has announced Sid's name multiple times, um, and yeah, so... He's our guest this week.
0: Yeah, he does play-by-play for Sportsnet 650, and he also has um, his own podcast that also airs on, on the radio. There, Hockey Fight Pod, um, that he does with a comedian friend of his, whose name is escaping me, but you'll hear about that in the interview. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, we don't just talk about Canucks, so don't be like, "Ugh, I don't want to listen to this." Um, it's not all about <laughs> you're acting like the
2: Canucks are the bad, the worst thing to talk about. <laughs>
0: yeah well you know not. just in case no they're not but yeah. you know if somebody's like oh i hate the canucks like um don't don't worry because yeah. we don't talk about like in depth about the team we do ask him for his opinion on their season thus far and what they need to improve upon and sort of the pulse of this the city um and how they feel about the team but he talks a lot about how he got into being a broadcaster and what it's really like to do play-by-play. And um, he offered a really unique opinion about doing hockey play-by-play and how it's actually easier than a lot of other sports because you're not filling airtime like you are in baseball. Um, But yeah, he's got some good stories
2: too, and I think you guys will enjoy it. Absolutely. I know we enjoyed it. And it was Mm -hmm. able to to bring back some memories for me because I – yeah. My first away game, other than my home arena, was in Vancouver, uh, so it was kind of really cool to to relive that a little bit there. So I miss Vancouver. You've never been to Vancouver because you've never been to Canada. I just remember that exactly. I know now. Everybody's going. That's unacceptable. <laughs> but
0: it it will happen when the borders are are yeah. open and things are easier. But yeah,
2: exactly. That's, well,
0: that's happening. Um. Speaking of things that we are always learning about each other, uh, like how I've never been to Canada, uh, you play <laughs> NHL fantasy?
2: I do. Is that what it's called? Yeah, fantasy Fan- hockey. Fantasy
0: hockey. I was like, wait a second. That doesn't sound right. I guess <laughs> Fantasy, do. fantasy yeah. hockey?
2: Yeah, I do.
0: And you've been That's doing like- this like forever, and I didn't yeah. know, and you're also super
2: good at it. Uh, I try to be super good at it.
0: Didn't you I mean you I do like the champion every year for like four years yeah
2: I did <laughs> guys that means she's super good at it um yeah but it's not like I'm playing like against like these all-stars or whatever like they're just like friends and and friends of friends and whatnot but usually we uh yeah I usually am in a few of them per season so I have like five different rosters I'm trying to move around. Uh, between different groups. But yeah, I'm number one and yeah. Yeah, I'm really dedicated. I think it's so fun. I mean you can draft your own team. Like you I think that's why I know like more about like players like in depth on certain things. Um just because I I, and I watch so many games because I'm like, well this sucks because I really don't want this team to win. But this guy's on my roster and I really need him to do good. So it's funny. I think that's what makes the sport fun. And when you're able to do, you know, fantasy for whatever sport you're into, uh, I feel like you just pay more attention to certain things that maybe other people don't. But as of right now, I am number one in my league. It is awesome. I feel so good. And I did the math today and I'm not up by much, but there is drum roll 59 points between me and the second person. That's a lot. 59. You know who also is 59? Roman Yossi.
0: It's a sign of good things to come. It's a sign. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, I think that's really admirable that you can handle f- not just one fantasy league, but five fantasy leagues. You have to do that every fucking day. For people who don't play fantasy You have to change your roster every day, right? Because of the different Mm -hmm. games and the different teams. And if they're not playing.
2: Yeah. I mean, hockey is probably the most in-depth one because there's games playing at all times. Hockey is the only one that I do. I tried doing baseball one time, but it just didn't work out for me. And I'm not (laughs) a football fan. Uh, I'm not in five now. Currently, I'm only in one. Um. But yeah, I mean, it, when you get yourself into a fantasy like that, I mean, you have to dedicate yourself. I wake up 10 minutes extra in the morning, so I have time to to do my roster and make sure I do my social posts for the day, and then I'm done. And then I'm right. good. And you got to, and like Saturdays and Sundays suck, because you can't sleep in, because games could start as early as 10 a.m. my time. Right. So I can't sleep in, not that I would sleep in until 10, but still, what it... You know how irritating it is when you're like, I didn't change my roster and I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. These guys aren't going to score. I'm going to lose points and I'm going to look like a loser because people are like, why are you playing that guy? Right. I mean, you might as well
0: not play like if you're not committed. Right. Like you have to commit.
2: And yeah, You got to do it or
0: else it's yeah. just
2: a waste of time and energy and money. Right. And you connect with other people, too, because it's like sometimes you do a live draft where like everyone gets together virtually for the most part the people that i'm playing with they're actually in boston area which weird but um yeah so they had to do it i think they did it at like nine o'clock their time it was six o'clock my time i got to pick my team i had the number one draft pick so obviously i got Connor mcdavid it was awesome they tried juking me saying that he was injured he's gonna be out for three weeks but guess what he wasn't and i swooped them and they're paying for it so can't juke a jukester
0: no, you can't. I mean, I commend <laughs> you for your commitment to it. I I used to, back in the day, I used to play uh, fantasy football. And I was just like, this is stressing me out. Like, I don't know who this guy is on this other football team. I don't know anything about this league, uh, like in depth about the players, rather. I, I guess I should yeah. rephrase that. I don't know enough about the individual players where I was like, this, I'm in, this is a fucking waste. I'm not doing this. And it would just stress me out. Because I would be like, who do I put in? And like, which kicker? And who are they playing? And I like, I did not have any joy in it. And I would be a total spaz if I tried to play (laughs) um, fantasy hockey. Like, it's just not meant for my anxiety ridden type A brain.
2: Like, I just can't do it. You'd be really mad that you couldn't have your entire roster be chicago blackhawks well that too yeah that too
0: it would just be like i can't how could i pick you know how could i have uh you know like a detroit red wing up like i couldn't have uh ryan o'reilly on my team he's a, a st louis blue like uh, you know be like
2: why do you have patrick kane patrick kane's my guy exactly you can't have a
0: I'd be like doing like trade deals on the side, yeah. but like then You're trading like... your
2: entire roster just to get one guy. Exactly. <laughs>
0: your mind Wait. is blown. We have to talk about what do you think the Penguins are gonna get Sidney Crosby for his one thousandth game? Like the team has to like buy him
2: something. What do you buy Sidney Crosby? Like people like they buy them Rolexes and like think he's a rolex kind of guy i feel like they would do he'd probably donate it to charity whatever they bought him because he's just like that guy
0: (laughs) don't you think not that's a bad thing
2: i feel like they will get him a vacation in the off season they're gonna pay for him to go on like a week-long vacation with his girlfriend
0: Mm -hmm.
2: all-inclusive night in mexico what would you want
0: for your thousandth game like if you we if we played oh god i don't know i I would want like (laughs) i would want some big ass diamond stud earrings oh and like maybe a matching big like i'm talking like big like 10 carats i i don't know if they make that but like maybe five carats per ear like i want like big and then I want like a really big like pinky ring
2: I could see it right now I'm just gonna photoshop you (laughs) with just like these like glacier (laughs) size earrings on you're gonna look like me yeah
0: (laughs) exactly that with diamonds
2: yeah that would diamonds
0: and like a diamond pinky like a pimp pinky ring with like oh a pimp pinky like if it's set like said like a thousand or if it was like ray or my initials
2: like so basically you want like a super bowl ring for your pinky yes Mm. yeah
0: yeah i don't wear watches i don't want a rolex those are that's a waste (laughs) <laughs> I'm like not into the watch game, so and like I would like no I, I would okay. have way more opportunities to wear the ring on like a daily basis, yeah, and then the diamond earrings, you know for those special moments. What about you?
2: um, I'm just gonna keep it short and sweet, gave me my own private plane, I think that's like a little more than a team could afford <laughs> to <laughs> Who buy knows? a
0: private plane.
2: You know, it's okay. You said I can get anything I want for my thousandth game. I And did. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going to do a private jet. Am
0: I invited to come on trips with you?
2: Absolutely. Are me and my
0: 10 carats of diamonds coming on
2: the plane? I don't know. They might have to be flown in separately. It might be a little heavy.
0: <laughs> but I have to have security come on the plane just to guard the earrings and the ring.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're going to be like Kim Kardashian.
0: My earring. Oh my God. Oh my God. Did you hear? They're Kanye and Kim are getting divorced.
2: But the better news is that Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker are officially a couple. So exciting. so bizarre to me. It is bizarre, but it's whatever. Travis is awesome. I love the guy. I I saw
0: a picture of them and I was like, now that's an odd couple. And sometimes odd couples work. It's definitely a little judgmental of me, but... Isn't that what celebrity gossip is for, to be a little judgmental? Exactly. Or are we supposed to be, like, nice about it?
2: I mean, it's not like
0: you're going to, like, run into them. I mean, even if I did, I would be like, Courtney, please explain this (laughs) dynamic, because you guys look very opposite. I would love to know what makes you guys tick.
2: And then she's like, so, uh yeah
0: (laughs) exactly and then she would eat a salad because that's all they do in the kardashians (laughs) yeah just like eat salads and just uh yeah yeah Let's toss it on over to our guest for this episode. He is the voice of the Vancouver Canucks play-by-play for Sportsnet 650, and he is also one of the hosts of the Hockey Fight podcast, Brendan Bachelor. He has been a play-by-play broadcaster with over a decade of experience in the industry. He's called more than 600 games. He's called games in the WHL, as well as, Um, the Vancouver Canucks obviously he has called the 2020 Stanley Cup final on Sportsnet 650 in the Sportsnet radio network and let's let him tell the rest of
2: his story enjoy well let's just jump into it so tell everyone who you are and how you got started into uh, basically the the job you have now
1: yeah, I'm Brendan Bachelor. I'm the radio play-by-play voice for the Vancouver Canucks on Sportsnet 650 radio in Vancouver. And, uh, you know, it, play-by-play is something that I've kind of always wanted to do since I was a little kid, but I didn't realize it when I was a little kid. So... You know, I would I would do the play by play of my street hockey games, of my table hockey set, of my NHL video games. I would mute the TV when games were on and do play by play. And you know, when I was a, a kid, it was sort of just make believe, imagination, pretend you're a broadcaster. And then when I was coming out of high school, I was like, you know what? That would be uh, that would be pretty cool to get paid uh, to talk about sports and talk about hockey. So uh, I went to school. Uh, for broadcast journalism at uh, the british columbia institute of technology here in vancouver uh and started in the industry at team 1040 radio just as a producer and worked my way up uh, through the ranks doing play-by-play for a couple of different junior teams and then i guess it's about three and a half years ago uh, i got the opportunity to interview uh, to call games in the nhl for the vancouver canucks and the rest is history
0: that's incredible incredible. yeah that's (laughs) awesome (laughs) Tell us a little bit more about your journey, um, you know, in the minor system, working your way up, you know, tell everybody where they may have heard you or, you know, run through sort of your resume, if you will, to give people some some other background.
1: Yeah, so I started as the play-by-play announcer of the Surrey Eagles, uh, who play in the BCHL, so junior A hockey, uh, and that league is well known for being a, a really good feeder system for NCAA teams. So players that uh, play in that league often, you know, the top end guys go on to earn scholarships, and some of them make the NHL. Guys like Kyle Turris uh, and Devon Taves, and and many others have come out of the BCHL and gone on to college hockey. So uh, I had been working at the radio station doing part-time production work little bit of reporting here and there always sort of having my eye on getting into play-by-play whenever I could and the opportunity with that team came up uh, so I applied and got the job to do their play-by-play and uh, it was one of the best seasons I've ever had in hockey. My first year of play-by-play, they won the BCHL championship. They went all the way to the national championship semifinal and lost in double overtime. Uh, so I got to travel across the country and, and call games uh, covering that team, which, you know, Devon Taves was on that team. So I've known him since he was a teenager. Uh, there are a number of other guys that have gone on to play pro hockey at at various other levels that were on that team so uh, that was a lot of fun and then coming out of that season uh, I was hired by the Vancouver Giants of the Western Hockey League which is the the top level of junior hockey uh, in Canada and called games there for four years before uh, I got the opportunity to make the jump to the NHL.
2: So what's like a day in the life for you Uh, I guess it would be for when you do have to call a game?
1: Yeah, well, my life is a bit different right now. And <laughs> it's why I have this very basic setup uh, here. I'm essentially talking to you guys from like, my house equivalent of Harry Potter's cupboard under the stairs. <laughs> uh, because I guess it's a, just over a week ago. Now I was exposed to someone who tested positive for COVID. Mm. And so as a result, in Canada, you're required to self isolate for 14 days. Uh, they so come I'm to actually- your
0: house there.
1: Well, they haven't, but... uh, But They
0: know where you live, and they come knock on your door. A friend of mine lives in Toronto, and she's like, they came and knocked on our door. (laughs) I'm like, oh, yeah. Sorry, so I, I
1: haven't had anyone knocking on my door to this point, but normally I've got like an office that I would do something like this in, but my wife and I are self isolating in different parts of the house just to be <laughs> precautious. So I get the cupboard under the stairs instead in terms of where I can get set up and and do something like this. So uh, days right now are very different because while I can't call the games, I'm helping out on the pregame show, the intermission and the postgame show. So that's different for me uh, in terms of a regular day uh, for, for play by play, uh, Pre-COVID, it's a lot different than than during COVID. Um, but, you know, a, a typical home game, I would go down to the rink for about 9, 30, 10 in the morning. Uh, and, you know, b- before COVID, go into the media room and grab a coffee and chat with some other members of the media and go and watch the team's morning skate, uh, which usually the home team usually skates around 10.30. Uh, and that's where you can generally see uh, their line rushes. So who's going to be in the lineup that night who may not be playing uh, and, and figure out any other sort of talking points that, um, that, that may develop heading into the game that night. Uh, and then after the morning skate, uh, again, pre COVID, we would go down into the dressing room and have a chance to interview players or uh, talk to guys off the record to, to get background information on things we might want to mention in the broadcast uh, in COVID that looks very different. We still go to the rink, still watch the mornings, skate but we have to watch it from way up in the upper bowl in a specific area everybody has to be you know six feet apart everybody has to wear masks and then we do all the interviews on zoom press conference style uh, but pre-COVID, you know, you go in, I, I do a one-on-one interview with a player that airs on our pregame show. And then I do a one-on-one interview with Canucks head coach Travis Green that airs on our pregame show. So uh, I, I still do that interview, albeit uh, remotely. And uh, right now in the cupboard under the stairs with Travis <laughs> over the phone. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Uh, we have to be adaptable in the pandemic. So we find a way to get things done. Um, so so that's generally the morning. And then in... Uh, so so do the interview with him, do all the, you know, the, the interviews. And then uh, if I get a chance, watch the visiting team go through their morning skate, uh, talk to some of their media that generally will have traveled into Vancouver to learn any sort of insight on that team that I may not have been aware of, uh, as opposed to being, you know, acutely aware of what's happening with the Canucks you know, watching them every game. Uh, And then, uh, and then the afternoon I I would either come home or go to the office and just finish up my personal prep for the broadcast. So, you know, any interesting statistics or trends or, or things that I think are are worth mentioning on the broadcast that night and then show up back at the rink around five o'clock uh, and Corey Hirsch, who's a former NHL goaltender, is my color analyst. So we'll sit down and talk about some of the storylines we want to mention in the broadcast and what our keys to the game are going to be and uh, things like that. And then uh, we do a, a hit on the pre-game show at 6 o'clock, and we call the game at 7, and then I'm, I'm home at about 1130. So, uh, you know, pre-COVID, that's what it looks like. In COVID, uh, for the home games, we're still able to go to the rink and call the games from the broadcast booth, but again, socially distanced with plexiglass in between us. And then for the away games, because uh, media, generally speaking, aren't traveling, we call those games from a studio uh, off monitors in Vancouver.
0: Did, now, before COVID, did you travel with the team for away games?
1: Yes. Yeah, so we, okay. uh, as the rights-holding broadcasters, we travel on the team charter with the uh, with the team. So, uh, you know, we we've got pretty good access there, where we're we're in the team hotel, and uh, so so on the road. Uh, It's pretty similar in terms of the actual routine. It's just, you're leaving a hotel room and going to a different rink, Uh, but otherwise it's it's relatively the same. And then oftentimes flying out after the game to another city and getting in, you know, two, three in the morning or something like that.
0: Oh boy. Well, I have to say doing play-by-play, I I have never attempted to do that, like even just for fun or as a kid, (laughs) but it's really hard. Like, I think that's a really hard job to do, um, because like if anybody listening ever actually tried to do that with a game on mute, and we're like, you're trying to be one step ahead, your brain has to work. It's like you're using both sides of your brain at the same time. So I think, I think it's one of the harder jobs to do, because hockey moves just so fast that like, how, do you, how does you, your mind work? Like How does that process work for you?
1: So for me, I, I've heard people say that they think hockey play-by-play would be difficult. And for whatever reason, I think it's the exact opposite. Because, <laughs> so then because, I should stick to my job and you should
0: stick to yours.
1: Well, so, so uh, let me explain why. So, you know, your job as a play-by-play broadcaster, no matter what sport you're commentating, is to describe what's happening. Right. Well, in hockey, there's always something happening. So I don't have to fill airtime like you would in baseball, where the pitcher's waiting to release the pitch, and I've got to know that uh, his sister's brother-in-law's <laughs> uncle used to play for this team in Louisiana or something like that, right? That's a whereas, good point. Whereas, you know, I, I still do a lot of prep for hockey, and I still have my stats that I, that I want to fit into the broadcast. But the game happens so fast that my job is to literally describe to you what I'm seeing, and that is like 99% of my job. Whereas baseball, or football or other sports that move a little bit more slowly. Soccer, certainly, I've done some soccer play-by-play and that's a very different experience to calling hockey. Uh, I find that more challenging because you have to have a lot of, of, of external prep, I guess, to fill the t- time when you're not describing something happening. So, um, you know, hockey can get frantic, it can get very fast. Uh, you know, I, I, I try to speak very quickly so that I can describe things very well uh, and, and accurately, but, um, and it may also be just, you know, growing up having followed hockey from the age of like four years old, I've watched a lot of games. I had a lot of practice doing the play-by-play of my street hockey games and stuff. So it, it kind of feels second nature to me. And and that's sort of how I look at it. Gotcha.
2: Does anybody, or has anybody ever given you a word and said like, put this in today's broadcast, like Spamoni, like what, uh, uh, we had a uh, Carlin bathe on uh, our episode a couple, a couple back. And, I guess Tyler Toffoli had given was given a word to say. Um, I think that's pretty funny. I mean, has anybody ever given you a word?
1: Uh, not specifically, but I have phrases that I like to try and fit in, or uh, such as. Ah, uh, I can't think of any specific examples to be honest. But uh, you know, I, I think one of the challenges of being a play-by-play broadcaster, because especially in hockey, a lot of things happen with regularity. So, you know, puck gets dumped into the zone. Puck is cleared. Puck gets dumped into the zone. Puck is cleared. So you don't want to just sound like a broken record. So you have to be a bit diverse in your, your verbiage and your description, right? So that I don't sound repetitive shot on net, shot on net, shot on net every time. Whereas you could say, you know, thrown to the goal slid towards the crease or, or, you know, however would accurately describe a play. So the challenge for me in that regard is, Varying my descriptions enough that I don't sound repetitive, but not getting so flowery with words that people don't understand what I'm saying because I'm looking things up in a dictionary or a thesaurus or whatever. So, <laughs> um, so, so that's something where I'll listen to other broadcasters. And if they have a turn of phrase that I like, I might sort of steal it and, and fit it in somewhere. Um, you know, for example, as a, as a sort of an homage to, to Doc emrick I, I usually try to fit a, a waffle boarded, uh, into a game every so often, a uh, blocker save, oh, he waffle boards it to the corner, which I know is something that Doc is well known for. And, and so it's, it, that, that side of it's kind of fun, uh, but also challenging, too, because uh, you have to be really critical of your own broadcast and, mm-hmm. and listen to your own broadcast, not in a way to sort of be like, oh, man, I, I sound so great, but it, with a really critical ear to make sure that you're not slipping into trends or using the same term over and over again and, and keep yourself fresh and always improving. Interesting. Yeah.
0: So t- take us through, um, give us a good bus story from when you covered the WHL. Like, so like, you know, traveling on the bus with the team, I'm imagining, right? You, you weren't yeah. on a plane. You weren't on the charter like you are now. So <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> there has to be a pretty good bus story that is safe to air.
1: Yeah, let me think. Uh, well, the bus trips in general were... Uh they were awesome to be honest like i i love being on the bus and um you know especially you know memorable trips for me are the ones where the weather was really bad and you're sort of white knuckling it and staying up all night as you're driving through the prairies or whatever it might be uh, i can remember uh, a game where the giants played in prince george and then we were driving to edmonton overnight uh and you know looking out the front of the bus there were um You know, snowflakes that like twice the size of quarters coming down and you couldn't see 20 feet in front of the bus. And, um, you know, real credit goes to the bus drivers that get junior hockey teams around safely because there are some conditions, especially in Canada in the winter that that they have to drive through that uh, that are just unbelievably treacherous. So uh, like, have you
0: ever come across like a moose in the road or like, you uh, know, or
1: yeah, so we we (laughs) drove I can remember middle of the night, the bus driver slamming on the brakes once, and it was like a herd of, of elk, I think it was, that were uh, crossing the road, and it was a snowy night. Uh, luckily, he didn't hit any of them, but, you know, I've talked to people, uh, you know, Lauren Molican was one of the head coaches of the Giants while I was there, and his team hit a moose with the bus, and um, so you know th- these are things that that happen, but probably the most memorable uh, moment for me on on a, a bus trip was uh, the the Sochi Olympics uh, were going on, and the gold medal game was Canada and Sweden. It was happening in the middle of the night uh, on Pacific time, and we were driving. I think we were driving back from Edmonton and from a game in Edmonton, uh, and so uh, I, with the help of some of the trainers, set it up. And the assistant coach hung a bed sheet across the front of the bus, not in front of the driver, but just behind him. So he could still see the road. And we had the projector that they used to do their video meetings on the road, uh, you know, to, to break down power play or penalty kill or whatever. So we got the game on my computer streaming off a hotspot and we projected it onto this big bed sheet at the front of the bus. So everybody could watch the, uh, the Olympic gold medal game in the middle of the night as we were driving back. Now not many people can say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So let's take it back to your uh, to your broadcasting a bit.
2: Um, is there a name that is the most challenging for you to say, or someone that you're like, oh, not this guy again?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, so there's. One name in the NHL that I've, I stumble over relatively often, for whatever reason, is Melker Carlson, uh, who, you know, of the San Jose Sharks, obviously. And I don't know if it's just the way it runs together Melker Carlson, Melker Carlson, like yeah. the bottle stops there. <laughs> the but club, I will sound. I, yeah, exactly. So I, I always stumble over that. Uh, there are some names that you look at and uh, you're I... like, oh boy, this is going to be uh, an adventure tonight. <laughs> I can remember what I was calling games of the Western Hockey League there was a player whose name was Jaden Halbga which, you know, I, I say oh, it and it doesn't sound, uh, doesn't sound that complex, but go and try and spell it and Google it. Uh, I believe he's a San Jose sharks prospect as well, actually. And it's, H uh, a L B G E W a C H S or something like that. And so, you know, when, whenever you play a team with someone that has a challenging name, you know, I would talk to the other broadcaster. How do you say it? okay say it again okay say it again so i can listen okay listen to me say it and make sure that i'm saying it properly because you know what oh, yeah that's one of the things that that we have to nail is play-by-play broadcasters right if we don't say someone's name right we're going to get texts we're going to get emails we're going to get phone calls mm-hmm. um you know players families are going to be upset with us because you know what it's right. your name you want people to say it right and i could completely mm-hmm. understand that myself Oh is there a favorite name you have? I Ooh, feel like my favorite yeah. name
2: in the NHL is Bogosian. I just feel yeah.
1: Ghost. <laughs> it, it rolls off the tongue nicely. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there are any that, that jump to mind. Um, you know, I, I, I think back to some of the names that I liked as a kid, like Zarly Zalapsky was a, a defenseman for the Calgary Flames, and that was an amazing name. Um, you know, in terms of current players, nothing is really jumping to mind at the moment. But, you know, those names that, that sound smooth and, and come off your tongue really nicely are, are the ones that I like the best. Do you
0: have a favorite um, play that you've called or a really memorable game or moment or, you know, or even it could be even a funny play or something like funny happened, um, or even super memorable, like you were saying you got to see them win the the championship and stuff. Um, But you know yeah a specific yeah. player moment
1: yeah well uh you know unfortunately the most memorable games i've called uh, i called remotely from a studio because mm-hmm. uh, the vancouver canucks went on a pretty good playoff run to game seven yeah. of the second round last year and lost to the vegas golden knights and they had some memorable overtime goals uh and so those were a lot of fun to call and it was my first chance to call playoff games in the nhl um You know, because the Canucks haven't been a very good team for the last handful of years since I got the job. Um, So things that jumped to mind immediately, uh, Chris Tanev's uh, series-clinching overtime winner against the Minnesota Wild in the play-in round for the Canucks. Uh, That was a big goal. I also got to call Daniel and Henrik Sedin's last home game for Vancouver. Uh, Of course, they've since had their jerseys retired, and, and they combined to score the overtime winner in a packed house in their last home game, and the place just erupted. So that's, like, I get goosebumps thinking about that. That was a pretty special moment uh to have the call of um and and then personally for me in terms of a career highlight uh because things were remote uh this past year we actually got the opportunity to call uh the conference finals and the stanley cup final nationally on the Sportsnet radio network across canada so you know that's something that you know as a kid you dream about having a chance to say you know Whatever team it is has won the Stanley Cup. And uh, so that was a, a career highlight for me getting to call the Lightning winning the Cup uh, this past wow. year.
0: Wow. Wow. Incredible. Like, who was that? Who was the broadcaster? I think he's the radio guy for Tampa who was like, who turned into sort of like a meme for his like excitement. Do you know Dave what I Dave Mishkin.
1: Dave Mishkin. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Like, do you hope to have a moment like that in your career where you're like known for whatever it is whatever you're like that's his style right and like his enthusiasm is just like coming out of his body you know Mm -hmm. like what's your style of of calling a, a game
1: yeah, I, I wouldn't say I get that enthusiastic because that is uh, it's hard to replicate. I think he, he's very unique in the way he calls for sure. the game. Uh, I, I don't know how I'd describe my style, to be honest. I try to be accurate. Uh, you know, I try to show excitement for big moments. We try to do as honest a job as we can of describing the game and um, and, and, you know, for people listening that aren't watching, they get a, a feeling for uh, what might be happening. There there are two moments I can think of that, that make me proud of, of the work we've done. One was I was talking to a, a a class of broadcasting students here locally in Vancouver, and one of the students said, oh, by the way, I was listening to the game the other night. You called the overtime goal and I was driving in the car and I pictured it and then I got home and watched the highlight and it was exactly the way that I pictured it and I was like okay well that's that's nice praise because that's exactly what we're trying to do we're trying to paint a picture so you can visualize now that I'm doing the post game shows at the moment, we had a caller in uh, the other night who listens to our games from Fort Wayne, Indiana, I believe it is, and he said I'm blind, uh, and I really love listening to the way you guys call the game because it's the best way that I can I can take it in because obviously I can't watch it, and and that those are the moments where you're like, wow, I'm making you know a, a small difference in someone's life, but nonetheless, uh, helping out someone that that can't. You know, view hockey and participate in it the same way that that the rest of us do. So that's something that sort of tugs at the heartstrings and makes you makes you feel validated for the work that you do.
2: Absolutely. How would you describe a home uh, Canucks game to those who haven't been able to to go to Rogers Rogers right?
1: Yeah, Rogers, oh, Rogers. Arena. Yeah, yeah Rogers yeah. Arena. Uh, yeah. Well. You know, now so- with COVID. Like no exactly <laughs> with fans of <laughs> the stands right yeah uh, so yeah. there's an incredibly passionate fan base here in vancouver um mm-hmm. you know as is the case with uh with any canadian team and and with you know the majority of the teams in the united states as well um so you know fans get there early the moment the doors are are open fans are in there they're getting down next to the glass uh to have a chance to watch the warm-up they've got their signs they've got their jerseys uh and and then you know it 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 builds, it's like a crescendo kind of where it's a slow build from people trickling in the building. And from our vantage point of the broadcast booth, you can sort of see it all develop where people start coming in and then the warm-up starts and the energy builds and the energy builds, and then the game starts and they score a goal and the place absolutely erupts. So, um, you know, for people that don't know Rogers arena, it's located right in the downtown core of Vancouver, uh, right next to public transit. So, uh, if you attend a game as a fan, there's that energy that builds up, you get on the train and everybody else is on the train and you're all wearing your jerseys and you get down to the game and you get into the rink and um so you know it, it, it's probably not a whole lot different than the experience of going to a game in a, in a lot of places around the national hockey league but uh it's a very passionate fan base it's a very knowledgeable fan base um and, and one of the great things about calling cannot games uh for for me and for us who travel with the team normally is that the, the Canucks fan base spans across North America. So you go into any building in the NHL and you're seeing Canuck jerseys. And especially when you go into other Canadian buildings, you know, for example, the Toronto Maple Leafs come to Vancouver, half the jerseys in the crowd are Toronto Maple Leafs jerseys. The Canucks go into Toronto, probably at least a quarter to a third of the jerseys in the stands are Canucks fans. And you can hear audible cheers when Vancouver scores on the road, uh, in other Canadian markets. And you know what, in Las Vegas too, because everybody likes a great excuse to, to go to Vegas. So, uh, whenever the Canucks play in Vegas, we always see a, a good contingent of Vancouver fans there too. So, um, that, that's something that's really cool. And, you know, as a, as someone who grew up as a fan of this team locally, I, 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 have a, a, an understanding of how passionate the fan base is and how much they want the team to succeed. And so it's pretty cool to have the honor and the privilege of, of calling games.
2: Definitely. And fun fact, I, I am certain that the Vancouver Canucks was the first arena that I went to outside of my home arena. Uh, So that was pretty cool, but that building it absolutely roars when, when they score. So I will, uh, I will say if you haven't been there, you should go because it's a it's a good time.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Talk to us about
0: uh, the team. G- give us your, you know, your thoughts on performance as far as, you know, today, this day. This is going to air a couple days later. But uh, give us your thoughts on how they're doing so so far.
1: Well, they've had a really tough start to the season uh and it's kind of upset a lot of people in this market because as we talked about uh they had a great push in the playoffs last year they went all the way to game seven of the second round they were scoreless going into the third period so they were you know a goal away from being in the the conference final last year uh certainly there was some uh changeover in the offseason. They lost their starting goaltender, uh, who very well could have been a Vesna candidate, Mm -hmm. Jacob Markstrom. He's signed with the Calgary Flames now. Uh, They lost uh, one of their longstanding defensemen, Chris Tanev. He also signed with the Calgary Flames and then they acquired Tyler Toffoli from the LA Kings at the deadline last year, but weren't able to get him re-signed under the cap too. And so he signed with the Montreal Canadiens. So unfortunately for the Canucks, they've struggled to start the year and all of the players that left in free agency have played incredibly well against them to fully set a record for goals by a montreal canadian in a season series against the canucks and you know this is the montreal canadians the most storied franchise in the history of hockey with all the stanley cups they've won and when the canucks came back yeah. into the league or came into the league in the 1970s uh the canadians used to beat up on them regularly and yet tyler to foley sets this record so people in vancouver are not happy about that uh so so there's a lot of disappointment because there were yeah. high expectations for this team they've got a, a good young core quinn hughes is a mm-hmm. an elite defenseman he's leading the league at points by defenseman right now uh, brock besser is having a, a tremendous season offensively Elias peterson is one of the bright young stars in the nhl but they've vastly underperformed to start the year they went on a six game losing streak here in the last couple of weeks and they find themselves on the outside of the playoff picture they played more games than anyone else in the league they had the busiest schedule to start the year and they put themselves in a tough spot where they're going to have a lot of ground to make up Uh, In order to make the playoffs Which has led uh, for calls here locally For general manager Jim Benning to be fired For head coach Travis Green to be fired Uh, So it's a season to this point That has gone completely sideways for the Canucks That said, they have played better hockey In the last handful of games They just completed a four-game set Against the Calgary Flames With this unique schedule Where you play the same team Three or four games in a row And they managed to get five of eight points From that four-game set And overall, they've looked like a much better hockey team. I think one of the big concerns early in the year was that not just that they were losing, but the way they were losing, they looked discombobulated. They couldn't complete a pass out of their own zone to save their life. They were giving up five or more goals routinely and they're not known for being a a stalwart defensive team anyway, but um, they, they really struggled in that element of the game to start the season. So, uh, you know, in terms of the process, in terms of how they've looked, they've looked a lot better over the last few games, but uh, they've put themselves in a tough position where they're going to have to get on a run and an extended winning streak at some point here to put themselves back into the playoff picture, because uh, we know that uh, every game is a four point game when you're only playing divisional opponents. And, you know, even though it's only been 20 games for them now or, or, around the 20 game mark. They're already well past the quarter mark of their season and getting closer to the halfway mark. Uh, So they have a lot of work to do and they're going to need to be much better than they have been to this point uh, in order to get anywhere near the playoff bar. And if they don't make the playoffs, it's very possible that some of those changes, as I mentioned, general manager or potentially head coach Travis Green, who's in the last year of his contract, may not be back with the organization next year.
0: Yeah what um can you give us like a pulse of canada like obviously i know it's really big but like (laughs) because of the new divisions and and like what is like the general sort of consensus of like fans and people watching all the rivalries across you know the country like what is that like how is that shifted or have you seen anything or what do you hear when you the one time you go to the grocery store a week when you're not being self-quarantined like yeah. what's the sort of energy and the vibe amongst like people and fans across Canada with the this division
1: there's an even greater roller coaster of emotions for people okay. as opposed <laughs> to a, a normal season so you know yeah. what in a regular year the Canucks win a game and all the callers on our post game show are hey man they look great maybe they've got a chance to go far in the playoffs this year the Canucks lose a game it's man that guy turned the puck over they should send him down to the ahl and they should trade this guy and they should cut (laughs) that guy and why isn't this guy in the lineup so like there is intense passion for this game in this country and you know vancouver is is very much like that you know pretty well all the markets in canada are, are very much like that but because they're all rivalry games and they're all divisional games and they're these mini series yeah uh that's even heightened to a greater extent so You know, the amount of noise we were hearing around fans wanting some of these organizational changes when the Canucks were struggling, it came to a fever pitch like social media, everyone's angry call-in right. shows, everyone's angry. The text messages we get, everyone's angry. And then they've won a few games here and suddenly we got people calling to the post-game show going, I believe they can do it. They're <laughs> going to get on a run here. They look really great. they figured it out. Go Canucks. They're going to make it into the playoffs. Right. So, um, you know, that's sort of the snapshot of Vancouver. Uh, and you know, I, I would it's- imagine it's the same in, in many markets. You know, the Toronto Maple Leafs lost to the Ottawa Senators just a few nights ago in Ottawa for people that have but been following the canadian division or the north division very closely have really struggled to start the year uh you know they've only won just a handful of games here they're well behind the other six teams in the division uh, and they were expected to be one of the the bottom teams in the league but they've been even more disappointing than everyone expected well the leafs have all these expectations around them because yeah. they're right at the top of the division they've got austin matthews and mitch marner and all these great players and people in toronto are thinking about hey we've got a chance to win a uh, win the stanley cup so when they're leading 5-1 to one against the Ottawa Senators and they lose 6-5 in overtime. I'm sure there were people in Toronto pulling their hair out and I'm sure it was a great day the next day to work on sports radio in Toronto because I would imagine the <laughs> phone boards would have been absolutely exploding.
0: Oh yeah, I'm sure you've heard it all from, from the fans calling in and um, I think it might actually be a good thing that we are still somewhat in a quarantined like restricted way of living mm-hmm especially for everybody in canada with these with these rivalries like it's probably better uh that that's happening right now because like you're saying with all the emotions you you don't want you don't want people in vancouver taking to the streets we know what happens when they do that so
1: and and to that point um you know i talking about jim banning the general manager and people on social media wanting him to be let go and our callers and our texters well in the past the Canucks have had to fire a general manager because the fans started chanting at the game, right? Mike Gillis was the GM of the Canucks. He, you know, oversaw arguably their greatest era in franchise history, where they went to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals in 2011 and lost to the Boston Bruins, but things weren't going well at the end of his tenure, and it got to the point where, at a home game, the whole crowd is chanting, fire Gillis, and the Canucks felt, at that point, you have to let him go because it's not fair to him to subject him to that kind of open criticism. And I firmly believe that if there were fans in the stands right now with the way this team has started the season, they would have had to make a change as well for exactly the same reason. So um, certainly pandemic economics play into that where, um, you know, Firing a general manager is a lot different in a season like this where mm-hmm. you don't have money coming in and you're going to have to hire someone else to take over that job um, and you know interviewing someone for a job like that isn't the way it normally would be because mm-hmm. you're not going to fly someone into your city especially if they're coming over the border because there's the mandatory 14 day quarantine to come into Canada so um, you know, I think Jim Benning probably to a certain extent owes the fact that he's still on the job to the fact that there aren't fans in the stands right now
2: that's got to be uh that's got to be tough he's probably sitting there shaking in his little space boots (laughs) 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 oh man so let's talk about your your podcast what can you say about your podcast what can uh, fans you know expect when listening to you where can they listen to you
1: yeah so I host it's a radio show that we also do as a podcast it's called Hockey Fight uh, and it's me and my good friend John Cullen uh, and John is a, a local stand-up comedian in Vancouver. He's a well-known podcaster. He hosts a, a social media podcast called block party. That's very successful and very funny. Uh, I highly recommend it for people that are very online all the time because uh, they get into to some really, really good topics, but he and I have been friends for a few years and we've always wanted to do a show together. So the premise of the show is that, you know, I, I work in the media, so I'm around the NHL. I've got a unique perspective on things, whereas he's a, he's a stand up comedian and he's a funny guy but he's also like a rabid emotional fan hmm. and so once a week we get together and we talk about the biggest topics of the NHL and he brings sort of that the, the the crazy fringe fan perspective. And I bring, you know, the, the media perspective and uh, and we get into a couple of the, the biggest topics in the NHL every week. It airs in Vancouver on our radio station, Sportsnet 650 on Saturdays at 2 p.m. Pacific. The podcast gets uploaded right after that. You can find it uh, wherever you get your podcasts, just search Hockey Fight. Uh, and then you can follow us on Twitter at Hockey Fight Pod. We also do a segment every week on the show, Where we ask people to write in and tell us their craziest stories from rinks they've been at. So whether it was you know an adult rec league game where something funny happened, or uh, you know when they were playing as a kid, if a parent did something ridiculous, or whatever it might be, and we feature one of those stories every week on the show. It's called Beer League Bozo, Minor League Maroon. Uh, So if any of your listeners have any great stories that they think we should read out on the podcast, they can send us an email. Email hockey fight pod at gmail.com
2: that is so
0: good okay wait we have to ask we know we're running out of time but i wanted to see if you had any good stories about any nhl players past or present that you've interviewed or talked to whether it be just a memorable story a funny story obviously i know you work for a team so you have to be cautious of what you say but and I'm not looking for you to to get in trouble but uh anything fun or interesting or quirky or a a good moment or seeing them do something really kind or or anything like that
1: well in terms of uh doing things that are really kind you see that all the time when you're around an NHL team after almost every game uh you know a player has a child in the room that may be suffering from an illness or had something happen to them in their life so NHL players are, are you know some of the best people in the world in terms of the way they give back so I can't think of a specific story of that regard but there are hundreds if not thousands of examples uh that, that I can think of uh in terms of sort of a funny story uh Troy Stetcher was a defenseman for the Vancouver Canucks he just left this past offseason signed with the Detroit Red Wings but I have been covering Troy since he was about. About 17 years old in junior hockey. And that's one of the cool things about coming up through junior hockey as a broadcaster, you, you see players come up along with you. And so, you know, Devon Taves, as I mentioned, you know, I, I knew him when he was 17, 18 years old uh, and now he's playing in the NHL. And we always get a chance to catch up whenever, you know, he was playing for the Islanders. Now he's with the avalanche. So when things are normal, whenever those teams come through town, I always make sure I, I go down to the visiting dressing room and say hi to him and, and have a good chat, but Troy Stetcher. So he played for the Penticton V's which were the team that, uh, the, the Surrey Eagles beat in the BCHL championship final the year I was doing the play-by-play for them. And he was the best defenseman in the league that year. He was their captain. He was unbelievable. Um, but they lost that year uh, the, the year prior they had actually won the championship And recently that team Was inducted into the BC Sports Hall of Fame As one of the best teams They had one of the longest winning streaks That's ever been recorded in junior hockey in Canada And so uh, a number of people were interviewing him About that team being inducted into the, the Hall of Fame uh, The Sports Hall of Fame here in British Columbia um, And, uh, and we we're lining up you know getting ready for the scrum where we all stand around and and ask him questions and and Troy goes Uh, you know, you should be asking Batch about this. He knows everything about this team. He used to cover the BCHL, and I said, yeah, I know a little bit more about the year after when you guys lost in the final. He goes, oh, man, that cuts really close. I was playing with a fractured collarbone that year, and that was the first time that I had heard that he was playing hurt through that whole series, and he had had a tremendous series, so we had a good chuckle about that, and um, you know, as I said, that's one of the pretty cool things about this is, uh, you know, you meet so many great people in hockey, and You come across them, uh, you know, at various different stages, you know, Claude Noel, who was a former NHL coach with the Winnipeg Jets, was our head coach for one year with the Vancouver Giants. Well, now he's a scout for the Anaheim Ducks uh, or sorry, he's a scout for the New Jersey Devils, but he's based in California. So I always see him at the rink in Anaheim uh, when we're there. You know, calling Canucks Ducks games, so it's it's pretty cool that we were riding the buses together uh, in the Western Hockey League uh, just a few years ago, and and now I see him in NHL rinks. And very quickly, a funny story. Yeah in that regard as well. Uh, the year Claude was the head coach, uh, when there was a road game, he always wanted to get out of there quickly and get home. So, you know, the players would shower as quick as possible. They would pack up all the gear as quick as possible. The problem with that was that uh, as part of our rights agreement with the radio station, I had to do a 45 minute post game show. So oftentimes uh, when we were in and away a rink, the bus was running, waiting for me to get down there with all my radio gear, so we could leave. Oh, geez! Uh, and there was one night where they had lost really badly, and he was in a, an awfully sour mood. And I, I got on the bus, and he says, "Yeah, I don't think you're going to be doing those long post-game shows anymore." And I said, "Well, you know what? Honestly, you know, if, if you can get the length of the post-game show cut down so we can leave early, that's fine. You can talk to ownership, or or whatever." And he said, "No offense, but you're probably not Vin Scully," <laughs> and, and you know. Uh, again, we're like, like he he's joking. He's hes lighthearted about it, but he, he was also frustrated in the moment because the team hadn't played very well and he wanted to get going. And so sort of something that I thought to myself a few years later is, you know what? Yeah, I'm not Vin Scully, but I'm calling games in the NHL now. So that's as that that's close enough for me.
2: Yeah, it's <laughs> good. We ask every guest the final three questions, regardless of who you are. Uh, this might be a little hard for you to uh, to answer, but answer the best you possibly can. Okay. Who is your
1: favorite hockey hunk? Ooh, uh, that is a hard one. I'm going to go with Braden Holtby. Uh, He's a former Washington Capitol, Vezina Trophy winner, Stanley Cup champion, now plays for the Canucks, and he's got a lot of publicity in this market because, uh, you know, he plays the guitar. uh, He has pet tortoises. He seems like a really interesting guy, and, yeah, he's not too bad looking either. Not at all. And who is your favorite hockey lady? Ooh, I don't know the answer to that question. That's a good one. Okay. Uh, let me think. It could be a player
0: uh, it could be a so, player's wife girlfriend coach
1: well i'll take it in a different direction i know where you're going but someone i really respect who's really good in the media and has done a lot of good for hockey is cassie campbell up here in canada uh you know former canadian national team player and she works on hockey night in canada now and does an absolutely spe- spectacular job at, at analysis so she's someone that you know when she's on the panel and i'm watching a game i always learn something about the way she analyzes the game so i have a, a ton of respect for her and she's one of the nicest people you'll meet in hockey as well.
2: Love it, gotta love it. And our last question is, do you have a Sidney Crosby story?
1: Uh, yeah, I do actually. I've got a really funny Sidney Crosby story. Yes! So, do, we, do you have uh, time to tell it? I do, absolutely. Okay. So uh, before I worked in media, uh, I was a broadcast student in 2010 when the Olympics uh, were here in Vancouver. And uh, because we were all broadcast students, we were hired to work for Olympic broadcast services. Uh, And I was lucky enough to work in the rink uh, in Vancouver for the entirety of the Olympics. I was uh, essentially my role was to run uh, players through the mix zone, they call it. So the way interviews work at the Olympics, because there's so many media outlets from all over the world that want to talk to athletes, is the players come off the ice in hockey or they come off the slope in skiing or whatever it might be. And they're taken through an area that's kind of like a runway where they walk past all this media. And each media outlet is designated a spot on the runway and the players go past them. And, you know, the the biggest heavy hitters like NBC was always first. uh, And, you know, the Canadian outlets got a a prime spot because it's the, the Winter Olympics and hockey in Canada. But then there's, you know, Swedish media and media from all over the world down the line. And so the players are required to walk through this area. And our job was to talk to all the media beforehand, find out who they wanted to interview after the game, and then try and set them up with the player that they wanted uh which um it's hard to challenging it's very
0: hard to do on any sort of like red carpet because yeah it's
1: yeah. It, it is a lot like a red carpet. That's a very yeah. good way to describe it. Uh, and the players were not obligated to stop for anyone. So there were some players oh. after a tough loss, they're firing past <laughs> everyone. And so that's, what we would always say to the media, like, I'll do my best to get this player for you. But if he doesn't want to talk to you, I can't make him talk to you. Well, uh, Sidney Crosby was tremendous during the Olympics. He, uh, he, he stopped and talked to absolutely everyone. He was, uh, he was incredibly gracious. And that was such a cool moment. Because again, I'm still a broadcasting student at that point, And he here I am bossing Sidney Crosby around and going, go talk to NBC, go talk to TSN. But he was tremendous through all of it. And, you know, still one of the most memorable moments for me in hockey, I was standing right behind the net when he scored the golden goal on, on Ryan Miller for team Canada, which I know might sting for some American listeners, but uh, you know, it's, it's one of the, uh, the, the top moments for me in terms of being in and around hockey and Sid, you know, he still stands out to me as one of the most gracious guys, which, you know, Having, you know, interviewed him a few times Since then, you know, you understand that He gets the media side of things And, um, you know, is is Really good about that, but uh, I, It just struck me how uh, He scores the gold medal winning goal, all of his Teammates are in the dressing room wanting to celebrate With him, and he's still doing interviews with outlets from all sorts of countries around the world it just speaks to the kind of guy he is yeah and he's
0: answering the exact same question
1: like 30 times 30 probably. times yeah
0: exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. that's a great story we are we're supporters of sydney crosby here so we only have heard amazing stories along these lines and so now it's just become one of our final questions so yeah. tell everybody where they can listen to you again one more time um the, the radio and the podcast and and the podcast show that's also radio. So just remind yeah, so everybody.
1: I call Vancouver Canuck Games on Sportsnet 650. Uh, you can listen to those games uh, if you're not in the Vancouver area through the NHL app uh, or however you uh, listen to games. Uh, and we call all those games. And right now I'm doing intermissions and post-game show because I'm quarantined. So uh, call into the, the post-game show. Why not? Uh, and give your take on the Canucks again. Uh, the show is Hockey Fight. Uh, it airs Saturdays at 2 p.m. Pacific on Sportsnet 650 radio in Vancouver. And you can download the podcast anywhere you get your podcast. We usually post it later on Saturday afternoon so you can get it for Sunday or for your Monday morning commute. Uh, and, yeah, just search Hockey Fight wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Hockey Fight Pod or write us your crazy stories from the rink, Hockey at gmail.com.